Amen. I'm going to invite you to turn in your Bible, if you brought one, to Matthew chapter 1. And uh, we're going to start there this morning. We're going to read from verse 18 down to about verse 20. I think we're going to stop at verse 23 this morning. So one of the challenges for me at Christmas season is just the familiarity of it. I don't know about you. I've read the Christmas story probably as many times as you have, certainly more than 100. Um, I've decorated the house like you do, you know, put the lights wherever you put them on your deck or uh, on the front of your home along the eaves, uh, sang Christmas carols. I love the carols. I love what they teach us. They're amazing. I, I love that. Um, but still, sometimes it's a little hard for me to press in to uh, celebrating Christmas. I don't know about you. There's a little bit of a bah bug. Uh, in me, and I'm confessing my sin here today. Um, but I did, I read a devotional uh, this last week on, on my Bible app, version. I don't know how many of you have it. I read uh, about a, a, a Christmas devotional called All is Calm. And on, on the second day, first paragraph, let me read what it said. It says, uh, all, all of us suffer from soul amnesia, forgetting who God is and what he's done. Uh, from one day to the next. Like you, I too must remind myself each year of who Jesus is and why his birth is so miraculous. Not because my mind doesn't know it, but because my heart ceases to be amazed. Isn't that true? Our heart, uh, it ceases to be amazed. We, we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit on a regular basis and we need to uh, be filled with the wonder and, and the awe of the Christmas story all the time. The old saying goes, it goes on to say, familiarity breeds contempt, and sadly, our own hearts lose the sense of wonder. So my prayer this holiday season is somehow that God would help restore the sense of wonder of what the Christmas story uh, is all about. I'm going to press in and press past familiarity in my life as I try to uh, worship this Christmas season and as I try to lead us. I'm going to hopefully share some things I never have before uh, to rediscover uh, the wonder of the Christmas miracle. I'm going to take three names uh, that God gave through the power of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament and New Testament. I'm going to take three names of Jesus. Uh, Emmanuel is one of them we'll talk about today. Uh, wonderful Counselor is the other one we'll talk about next week. And Everlasting Father we'll talk about uh, the, fall, the, the week before uh, celebrating uh, Christmas. I, I just want to take a look more deeply at who Jesus is and see if the Holy Spirit can't break through in a way that brings fresh wonder uh, in our soul. The title, by the way, of this series is For Unto Us a, a Child is Born. And uh, I'll begin reading in uh, verse 18 here of Matthew chapter 1 this morning. It says, this is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. Uh, his mother, Mary, was engaged to be buried to a man named Joseph. Uh, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, I'm going to have that image of the girl in the video with the baby popping out probably uh, all this season. But anyway, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. Uh, 
so he decided to break the engagement quietly. Uh, as he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, uh, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, uh, for the child within her uh, uh, was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Think about that for a minute. All of you who have become pregnant before, uh, think about suddenly uh, discovering that you're pregnant by the power of the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message uh, through his prophet Isaiah. Look, the virgin will be or conceive a child, and she will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. I'd love to take a few moments with you and just think about that statement, Emmanuel, uh, God with us. I want to think about it in regard to this season. You know, the Christmas season, kind of a busy season. There's, there's shopping. Uh, there's there's uh, baking. There's gathering together with family and friends. There's wrapping packages. All these events are awesome. They're great. We have a lot of fun doing them. Uh, much of our culture around us is completely satisfied with the idea that Christmas is about family. And don't you love your families? And don't you love when you gather with your family at Christmas season? Yeah. But Christmas is not an event for families. Christmas is, is a person, and his name is Jesus Christ. And everything we do, we do because of him, Emmanuel, God with us. And that's why we shop, and that's why we bake, and that's why we wrap presents and decorate our house. It's because Emmanuel, God with us, it's part of our worship, and it's part of our celebration. It's the heart behind uh, everything that we do this season. Uh, think, think about Emmanuel, God with us in light of some of the circumstances that you're currently facing. A brother told me this morning he has cancer. I was with a family in the middle of the week that lost a father and a husband and a grandfather. I was, uh, I heard about a brother who had a, uh, a heart event yesterday and would have died except his defibrillator started up his heart again. Hallelujah for, uh, you know, modern science. We all face all kinds of circumstances. John Wesley, some of you are familiar with him. He was... Uh, led an amazing revival movement in the United Kingdom, uh, actually a couple centuries ago, uh, in the 1700s. But anyway, when they asked him about his life, if he wanted to sum up his life, what was the most important thing to him? And you know what he said? Emmanuel, God with us. That's what sustains me. That's what the gospel is all about. Emmanuel, uh, it is God with us. Think about that just in regard to your own life and your own value. You know, I don't know about you, but sometimes I could get a little discouraged. I can feel a little defeated in my life. I struggle with a lot of the things that you struggle with in your life. And could we just think about Emmanuel, God with us, in light of our weakness? I don't know about you, but there's some days I don't feel very spiritual. 
I, the whole idea of worshiping God is a, it, a, just a little bit threatening. Some, I just don't feel worthy. God became a human being out of love for you, wanted to know you, wanted to have a relationship with you. God became an impregnated embryo, fastened to the uterine wall of a teenage girl in Israel, totally dependent on her for oxygen and for food. Can you imagine God who created the galaxies? God who is light. In him there's no darkness at all. And yet he became totally dependent on this young girl for his life. He's God floating around in ambiotic fluid. Emmanuel, God with us. Think about it. Talk about humility, vulnerability. After he was born, he had to be fed, had to be nursed, uh, had to be burped, and had to change his diaper. <clears throat> Illustrated that in the video as well. Can you imagine God in a onesie? Okay. That's the story. God in passion to be reconciled to you so that your relationship with God could be restored. God became a, a human being, identifying with our weakness. It says in uh, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things just as we are, yet without sin. See, God loves you more than you think. And the thing that often should sustain us is Emmanuel, God with us. God so loved the world. He so loved you. And he so loves me. And I'm so thankful for that. You know that Jesus knows that life on earth is not easy. He's felt every emotion you've ever felt. He's felt weakness. He's felt betrayed. He's felt forgotten. He, 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 he has felt temptation. He's felt everything. He's felt fear. He's felt everything that you've ever felt. And that is amazing to me, just how passionate God is to have a relationship with you. Because I think we all know that's what salvation is all about. It's not about rules and it's not about religion. It's not about those kind of things. It's really about our hearts and our willingness to turn to God and say thank you and to come back to him. See, God with us. But will you be with him? That's, that's really the heart of the wonder and worship of the Christmas season. He came for us. But will we come to him? It's such, such, an, important, such an important truth. You know, I'll, I'll be with some people sometimes that want to argue a little about the Christmas story. 
And, and one of the things they always argue about, where does it say in the Bible that Jesus is God? Well, uh, here's one place, Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, where it says the virgin will be with child and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. But the Bible communicates that Jesus is God in the Old Testament and, of course, in the New Testament, John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, verse 14, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. What's John talking about? He's talking about Jesus. He's talking about God. In Acts 20, verse 28, Peter was preaching. Here's what he says. He, he, he says, God purchased the church with his blood. Who is he talking about? How can you argue that? The Bible continually tells us that Jesus is God over and over, Old Testament and New Testament. But it also tells us indirectly through some of the things that Jesus did. Let me give you a couple examples. How many remember when Jesus uh, healed the paralytic? Uh, when they lowered him down on a mat through the roof of a house, they wanted to get him to Jesus. Uh, there were so many people there, they, they couldn't get him into the house, so they tore open the roof and they lowered him down on a mat. What did Jesus say to him when he saw the man? Your sins are forgiven. Now, why did he say that? Was this man struggling with guilt? Uh, was he struggling with condemnation? Did his friends want to get him to Jesus for him to be healed and he didn't feel worthy to be healed by Jesus? And so there was something within him that was blocking God doing the miracle in his life that he wanted to do. I mean, why did Jesus say that to him? Well, one of the reasons Jesus said it is because he could. Think about that with me. Now, Okay, so you're at work, and uh, at work, this guy named Jim punches this guy named Joe in the nose. Okay? Uh, it's kind of a common thing in our culture today, but anyway. Um, so you walk up and you say, Jim, I forgive you. What would Joe say? <laughs> well, who cares? He hit me. You can sympathize with sin. Uh, you can forgive, so to speak, uh, other people's sins, or at least not count them against them. But you can't really forgive sin unless someone has sinned against you. Okay, so what was Jesus saying when he said to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven? Well, one of the things he was saying is, all your sins were against me. And one of the things he's saying to you this morning all your sins have been against me. All the sins in your life. Now we all sin. David said it this way in Psalm 51. Lord, against you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. Do you understand that we all have a responsibility to God? That we were created by God? We were created for God? 
and that our, all our sins, though they hurt other people and many times are sins against them, they're all sins against God and who he created us to be. He created us in his image. He created us to be like him. Here's the amazing thing. This relates to the Christmas story. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Emmanuel, God with us. He came to us before we ever turned to come back to him. Aren't you thankful for that? Aren't you thankful from the cross that Jesus saw you? And he said to his father, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. See, only Jesus could do that. You couldn't do that. I couldn't do that. Only Jesus could do that because all of our sin is against him. That's amazing to me. So what was Jesus saying in that situation? He was saying he was God. And of course, the Jewish people knew it immediately. They were upset. They, you know, if they had any hair, they pulled it out. But uh, they were upset. Who does he think he is? God? Well, apparently. Let me give you another uh, illustration of how the Bible teaches that Jesus is God uh, indirectly. Uh, several times, uh, both Old Testament and New Testament, angels appeared to people, okay? So Daniel would be an example, or John in the book of Revelation. And when angels appeared to people because of their splendor and their glory, all those people <laughs> fell down, Daniel, John, they all fell down to worship the angel. Every time, what did the angel say? Get up. I'm a created being just like you. Every time, okay? Now, when Jesus rose from the dead and appeared to the disciples in the upper room, especially for Thomas. And he said to Thomas, look at the holes in my hands and the hole in my side. Stop doubting and believe. And what did Thomas say? He fell down on his face before Jesus and he said, my Lord and my God. And what did Jesus say? Nothing. He received the worship he received the adoration and he received the praise. Why? Because he could. Because he's God. Jesus is God. I mean, that's, that's what the Christmas story is all about. It's an amazing story that God became flesh. to be with us, to walk with us, to know us so that we could know him, to be reconciled in our relationship with him. Jesus is God. We see it throughout the Bible, directly and indirectly. And a third way that he declares that he is God is through uh, his, his disciples, uh, the witness of his disciples. Now, if you were wanting to, um, as a person, human being, claim to be God, which would be a little foolish, um, you wouldn't want to do it around people who knew you. Okay, you know what I'm saying? Okay, so, so if I claim to be God here this morning, could I just tell you what my wife would say? 
He's a Looney Tune, okay? Okay, so you wouldn't want to claim to be God around people that knew you very well. Jesus' disciples believed he was God. Why did they believe that? What did Jesus do? In every situation, there was a moral excellence and glory that was unexplainable. Full of grace and truth in every circumstance when he was spit on, when he was persecuted, when the storm was going to swamp the boat, he stood up and said, peace, be still. There was a glory of truth and grace and power that was completely unexplainable. You know, you can look through the sun uh, through a filter. And what the disciples had the privilege of doing is that they were looking at God through human flesh. They were seeing the glory of a God who's existed through all time. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning and the end. Jesus said before Abraham was, I am. John said, in the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 14, said, we beheld his glory, glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. They couldn't deny that he wasn't God, and because of that, Every one of them were martyred for their faith and their belief in the f fact that Jesus himself was God. Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. The question this morning is, he your God? Is he your God? Have, like Thomas, have you... Have you bowed down to worship him, my Lord and my God? See, he came to be with us and to have relationship with us. And he's calling you back to himself. That's why you're here this morning. You may have came with a friend or family or someone this morning. You may have stumbled in and heard we had coffee and cookies or something. You know, I don't know. That'll get you. I believe God called you here because he became a baby <laughs> to grow up as a man, of course, to die on a cross to pay the penalty for your sin because he loves you. And you might deny that. You might choose not to believe it, but that won't change it. That is a fact rooted in history and will give him glory for all eternity, the Bible says, for all eternity, we will declare the wonder and glory of God. 
and his goodness and what he's done. Jesus said this, Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and dine with him and he with me. Whoever overcomes, I will grant to him to sit down with me on my throne as I have also overcome and sat down with my father on his throne. There are a lot of challenges to faith in Jesus Christ in the day we live. So many challenges. So many new ideas. Pantheism. A very, very uh, popular uh, way of thinking that um, the God force. Has anyone seen Star Wars? Okay. Uh, the force be with you. Okay. I'm not against Star Wars. I thought it was really cool. I, I liked it. But it's teaching Eastern mysticism. The force be with you. Pantheism believes that God is in everything, the force of God. And, and, and pantheists believe in unique manifestations of the force of God in individuals. They're called avatars. And you might have heard of one. Uh, the, the, the Bhagwan of the Ranish that were part of um, uh, Antelope up here in Oregon. Anyone heard of him? Some of you are old enough to remember the Hare Krishnas. Okay, th these are uh, unique manifestations of the God force. They aren't God, but they worship them and their teachings as God. And um, it's really popular in our culture. Now, it's not talked about a lot, but have you ever heard anyone say this? You go through a crisis and someone says, well, we'll be thinking of you. Doesn't that sound nice? Oh, so sweet. We'll be thinking of you. Because they believe in the God force, that somehow there's a collective consciousness in the God force and your thoughts will change things. Well, it's nice that you're thinking of people, but the Bible says to pray. <laughs> Ask and it'll be given. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be open. Our God transcends the universe. He's a person over all things. Full of glory full of majesty. And here's the amazing thing. He hears our prayers. So I want to encourage you to pray. I like that you think about people. That's wonderful. But please pray for them. Amen. That's just one of the subtle ways that, that uh, the God force, God consciousness, or the collective consciousness of each Eastern mysticism is weaving its way into American culture and is taking over, by the way. It's sweeping up this generation to no longer believe that God is personal, that he's a person, that he loves you. He became a man for you. He died on the cross for you to pay the penalty for your sins. That's the battle we're in. We're, we're in a battle in regard to who Jesus is and what he really came to you. And I'm, 
here to do, and I'm here to tell you this morning, he is Emmanuel, God with us. He is, and he's standing at the door of your heart, and he is knocking, and there are so many things that compete against him in what you believe, and there are so many things that compete with him in regard to your life and the distractions that are part of your life. If we really believed who Jesus was, we would all be different, including me. Don't, don't think I'm up here, you know, uh, saying I got it together here. I'm just saying if we really, re we got it, we would all live differently. Our priorities would be absolutely different. Our life and our lifestyles would be absolutely different. Here's what Jesus said. I'll say it again. Verse 21. Or let me read 20 and 21. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. Whoever overcomes. You see that part? There's a battle. Whoever overcomes. The moment you make the decision for Christ, you're a victor. To him who overcomes. I will grant him to sit down with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. I'm going to invite the worship team to come on up. And, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to this journey the next few Sundays as we uh, take a closer look at Jesus and begin to wrestle with not only who he is, but who he is in our lives and how much who he is is really changing uh, who we're becoming uh, in our lives. Let me read one last verse as uh, the worship team's coming up. Matthew 11, verse 28, Jesus said, Come unto me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come unto me. Come unto me. You know that phrase in the Greek language really, my opinion, which probably doesn't mean a lot to Bible scholars, but it really says, come here to me. It's really the tender voice of someone who has loved you before time again. It's the tender voice of the one who knew you in your mother's womb. He knew your days before there was one. He's the one who's saying, come here to me. Come here to me. So I want to invite us to stand here this morning and I, I, I want to say a prayer. Jesus is calling this morning. And I want to invite you, whatever way you can come to him today, uh, surrender to him today, open your heart to him today. I want to invite you to come as you are. Just come. He loves you as you are. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your Son 
we thank you for this Christmas season. We celebrate it. It's a joy to us because we understand it's about a person. His name is Jesus. And Lord, I pray for every person here who, Lord, is trying to figure you out, is trying to understand what Christianity is all about. Lord, they're trying to process, well, if it's true, then how do I live? Lord, for every person, would you help them right now just say yes to you? Yes, Jesus. I, I want to know you. I believe you are the Son of God. And I just want to ask you to help me learn how to walk with you, Lord, to believe in you, to live for you. Thank you for coming for me. Lord, we say yes to that this morning. We thank you so much for your wonderful presence here, your wonderful love. Thank you. Thank you. Would you tell him thank you with me? Thank you, Jesus. Just thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. 